Fellow race fans, welcome to another edition of our USF Pro Insider. My name is Rob Howden, the voice of the USF Pro Championships presented by Cooper Tires. This is episode number 51. It's June the 6th, 2023. And after I roll through a review of what happened this past weekend at Virginia International Raceway for rounds 6, 7, and 8 of the USF Juniors program, I'll be joined by a driver who uh, was able to get an impressive race win in race 3, Jack Jeffers. From exclusive Autosport joining me. We'll have a chance to dive in and chat with Jack afterwards. But as I often do, uh, if I have a podcast coming right in after a race, we kind of go into a bit of a race review as well. So let's do that from the event at VIR, three rounds of racing, where we join both the USAC uh, Road Racing Program and the Prosher Sprint Challenge and the Skip Barber Formula Racing Series, which was great because, of course, Skip Barber, the official racing school of the USF Pro Championships, they were there as well. Got a chance to watch a number of drivers that we'll, of course, see in USF Juniors in years to come. Uh, race number one, qualifying, of course, key. One qualifying session for all three races. You're able to go quicker in race two and three to potentially change your grid order. But uh, very interesting up front. Uh, Ethan Ho and Joy Branza tying for the fast time in qualifying. It actually went down to the fifth decimal point, which is absolutely unbelievable. Ho was the first to do it, so he ends up getting the pole. Uh, although as things kind of shook down, the guest I'm going to talk to today actually would take the lead. Jack Jeffers went to the lead. We knew that a, a potential rain cell was coming in, so we were all kind of ready for it. It kind of caught everybody off guard to a certain extent going down into turn number one. A number of drivers went off there over in turn number five, six, and seven. So we went full course yellow. Jeffers had the lead there. And sadly for Jeff and he'll, or Jack, rather, he'll tell you, uh, Jeffers had just pulled out to a, probably a, a gap that would have been enough to hold off the draft, which was such a huge role um, at uh, at VIR. But, of course, the full course yellow for the rain brought everybody back in. And once we went back to green flag racing, which was indeed done in uh, dry tires as the 85-degree temperatures and hot track surface dried it up pretty quickly, uh, Nicholas Giafoni was able to get around Jack and take the lead, get his third straight win of the season, extending his championship, of course, having swept the action at Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, Jack Jeffers holding on for a strong second place finishes uh, uh, another run to the podium for him. Quinn Armstrong, winner from Sebring, emerged from what was a crazy battle for third uh, as he passed a couple of drivers near the end of that run. The last four laps, we went under green. Uh, Max Taylor and Lucas Fakuri capping off the top five. In race two, again, Jack Jeffers right in the middle of the fight there, was leading, but a mechanical issue sidelined him. He went to pit lane, was able to come back out to get a couple of uh, extra positions. Of other drivers had issues. Giafoni took the lead after the issues with Jeffers, uh, but he was challenged by Max Taylor. In fact, Max Taylor uh, almost had the pass done with a couple laps to go. Coming to the white flag, they were coming down the hill 15 and 16. Taylor had made the pass in the inside of 16, but dropped the wheel on the outside of his left side tires into the grass, straight off on the entry into turn number 17. That gave the, again, we, the win or the lead back to Giofoni and the win. He scored the victory over Joey Brienza, who had to come back from a DNF in race one after contact with Fakuri. Uh, there was a bunch of chaos. Drivers going off. We know uh, the guys were battling it out. Hudson Schwartz from VRD Racing was actually the driver who was able to come through that chaos to take a well-deserved third-place finish. Brady Gold from D-Force Racing got his best career result in fourth ahead of Fakuri as D-Force Racing had three drivers in the top five. Moving to the capper of the weekend, the triple header, uh, Giafoni starting on the pole position, but really this one was all Jack Jeffers. He finally was able to uh, shake any bad luck and was the strongest in the field, passing Giafoni midway through the race on an amazing move around the outside of turn number one to take over the lead. He would walk away essentially to the win, breaking the draft once again. 
Uh, Chiafoni kind of by himself in second spot for another podium finish and really has extended his point lead. Uh, Max Taylor recovering from that race two incident to be able to come home to third. So a good recovery for Max. Jimmy Lockhart and Joey Brienza rounding out the top five. What was a pretty aggressive battle there for the final. Another shout out as well to Carson Edder, who scored his best finish of the year in race number three. A strong seventh for Carson, who really, I think, as I said in the broadcast, likely the most improved driver through the first three events of the season. Looking at the points, big lead right now for Giafoni over Brienza, 61 points, almost two full race uh, races of points. Still a long way to go, though, but Giafoni looking very good for D-Force Racing. Quinn Armstrong in third, but Jack Jeffers, who will join me here in just a second, now advancing up to fourth spot, just two points behind Armstrong, 83 behind Giafoni. But as I said, I've uh, been in this championship program for 13 years or 14 years now, and uh, you're never done. you got to get well ahead with still a lot of racing to come. So he sat through the entire review from VIR. He's joining me from his home, I believe, in San Antonio, Texas. 16-year-old Jack Jeffers from Exclusive Autosport. Thank you so much for joining me, man. You have to be pretty happy still after that win in race number three. Yes, I am very happy, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How was the trip home? Were you kind of just chilling out on the plane? The, the victory makes it easier, doesn't it? The victory makes it nice. Yes, it was a nice, uh, smooth plane ride. You know, I slept the whole way, basically, and I was just, it, it was nice, especially Good after man. the win. Good man. As we always do, folks, with the drivers here uh, in USF Juniors and any of them in the USF Pro Championships, this this Pro Insider uh, podcast is really to get a chance to get to meet some of these drivers. These are the future stars. These are the drivers you're going to see following in the footsteps of guys like uh, Kyle Kirkwood and Renus VK, you name it, coming up the ranks, Pato Award, Colton Herta, who have worked their way through this entire ladder system. Uh, Jack, let's just start with, first start with, um, we'll go back to the career a little later. Uh, the start of the season, um, coming out of the gate pretty strongly with exclusive autosports. You have their corporate sponsored Corpe on the car. You're running that uh, beautiful um, raspberry color that I love. Uh, tell me about starting with with uh, with exclusive autosport because you won the championship last year in the Lucas Oil School Formula Car Race Series, right? So you, you got that kind of school series in the books, six wins. You move into with exclusive autosport, USF Juniors. How did things go in the offseason coming out of the Lucas Oil program? into USF juniors? Uh, things went really smoothly. You know, it was a great team and Michael helped me out a lot and the testing went uh, very well and uh, the spring testing went very well. And then from there, it was just uh, uh, staying with exclusive and keep working with Michael and Lou. And I really like Lou, the engineer, because he helped uh, progress. He helped my progression a lot. Yeah, Jack, talk, talk about veteran engineer Lou D'Agostino, who runs the USF Juniors program for exclusive autosport. And of course, Michael and Kimberly Duncap, the team owners. You guys had, uh, of course, we do we do spring training, but you roll into the opening rounds at Sebring and, and you were right in the middle of the hunt. That, I would have to think, and give me your thoughts on being able to come out of the gate so quickly. You didn't get the race win yet, but you were right there. You were on the podium. Uh, it's always good to be kind of, you know, especially with, you know, Joey's got a little more experience than you do. Uh, your teammate Joey Brianza, but to be able to come out and be competitive, I think that must have been a good positive for you out of the gate. Yes, it was a big positive. We knew we had the speed right away, and we just knew we needed to work on my racing a little bit. And I, you know, I knew that from the beginning because when I was racing Joey and Giafoni and Quinn, like that, you could tell that they had a little bit more experience than me. But it was really amazing considering Joey has had a decent amount more time than me in the car. And uh, same with Giafoni and all of them. So it was a really big positive, and it gave me a lot of confidence. We'll spin off of that over to Barber, and then, of course, the VIR. Let's dive now into your karting career. You kind of got started, well, I think, back in 2016. It always feels weird to me when I don't go back very far. But then I have to remember, you're only 16 years old. You don't turn 17 until the middle of July. So 
2016, of course, you know, with what I do with EKN, I've had uh, the privilege of being able to watch you kind of come up through the ranks. And one of the things that, as I was taking some notes before the podcast is, you know, you've actually obviously had lots of success. You've won lots of races coming up through Supercarts USA Racing, you know, Rock Cup USA, the USPKS. But as I was taking notes, you spent a lot of time overseas as well. You know, you've had a chance to run some of the big the international karting events and not so much the international events, but some of these, what we call the, the Olympics of karting, where everybody has to qualify in. You you were part of the Rotax World Finals. You went to the Rock Cup World Finals, an event I love. You did the Rotax Grand Finals in 17, the Rock World Finals in 2018. As Again, this is like four or five years ago, but what do you recall about going to those big events and representing your country? Uh, I mean, it was, it was an experience of a lifetime, you know, going into Europe and all over there. For racing and I, I remember being really nervous and everything but um the pressure was kind of off me because i didn't have any expectations of myself it was yeah. again a learning curve as my dad said and it was just go over there and just learn as much as i can to bring back here to the states and it, it was it was amazing I, there was no other words for it it was just an experience of a lifetime they are amazing events folks you go there you're literally racing against the drivers from you know 40 50 60 different countries uh, when you look back at your karting career, is there a is there a team? Is there a teammate? Is there a coach or somebody that you worked with who really was? You think you can and you can mention more if you want, but somebody that would you know played a really big role for you in terms of developing yourself as you came up through as a junior. I'd have to say be Alex Speed from Speed Concepts Racing. I mean, okay. as soon as I joined SCR and I got Alex as my coach, I mean, he developed me so much and he helped me progress and really understand. The mechanics of racing and go karts and all that, and he was—he's um, a really special person to me, even to this day. And I always remember and thank him for everything. He did. If you're a racing fan, you know that Speed name because uh, Alex Speed, uh, his brother Scott Speed, of course, went to Formula One, uh, then did some time in, in NASCAR Cup racing, and also, of course, has become a, route, a, a top rally cross, cross driver for Subaru. And I will say this, and Scott may not like it, but I had a chance to watch both of them come through the ranks, and I would probably. I think coming through, Alex may have been a better go-kart driver than Scott. Scott had won a bunch of championships, but Alex, one of the legends in the, in the sport of karting for sure. Now, does he get behind the wheel with you? I've never really asked him this. Did you do some lead follows or does he just like, is he like a sideline coach? No, there's been a couple of times where Alex is often the go-kart with okay. me out there. And yeah, it's, it's nice messing around with him out there a little bit. Did he beat on you at all or did you, or did you, did you show him around a bit? When I first started the team, he beat on me a lot. But as I was more experienced, I started showing him what's up, and I got my elbows out a little bit. Another thing is, is and I, I, I didn't recall this for some reason. Looking at your bio, very little racing in 2021 due to a karting injury. I don't recall what what happened. What was the injury that kept you on the sidelines in 21? Um, I I had an incident at Road America for USPKS when I was in junior, and it caused me to bruise two ribs. Ooh. And uh, as anybody knows, if you hurt your ribs in any kind, it hurts. It's a really substantial amount of pain. And so then later I tried racing at the GoPro Grand Nats a couple months later, I think. And I had another big crash there, which even made the injury worse. And I had to sit out basically the rest of the year because it just hurt every time I got in a go-kart or anything. For those yeah. race fans uh, who obviously like to follow this USF Pro Championship and these drivers up their way into the NTT IndyCar Series, when it comes to kart racing, it's not like a race car. that You, you sit in the seat that's so molded, it's molded to you, and like the, the amount of G-force is side to side, it, your ribs take a hiding for sure. So I understand it completely. As an older guy, yes, I've hurt my ribs, and I, I think I was on the sidelines for about four months and couldn't sneeze and all that. It was that bad. 
You make the transition from car from carts to cars. Let's talk about that. You know, you you look at it. Uh, at that time, we were actually partners with the Lucas Oil School of Formula Car Racing. We're now, of course, partners with Skip Barber, which was so cool to see those drivers, Sebastian Weldon being one of them, um, and your good friend Caleb Gaffera as well, Jackson Bell, all running this past weekend at VIR with us. You made the move to Lucas Oil. What was the transition from carts to cars like for you? Was it an easy one? Did you struggle with it at all? Or Because it's obviously it's a, dis- it's a much different discipline. I struggled with it a little bit, you know, it's, it's definitely different than go-karts, you know, you take the basics from go-karts, you take the basics you learn from go-karts to cars, and, you know, you can, you can race cars pretty aggressively, but obviously, you know, you can't have nearly as much contact, it's not, you know, it's not bumper cars out there, That's it. and really the awareness is different, you know, in a go-kart, you can basically look all, all around you and see, like, uh, where everybody is, in a car, you can only look in front of you and what the mirrors give you. So really the awareness was the biggest thing to get used to and, you know, how much space you have to leave on the inside if somebody's going to try to go up your inside and all that. But the transition, I'd say, was fairly smooth for me because I have I was racing for six, seven years prior to it. So, Indeed, one of the things I've heard a lot of carters say is you have to remember that there's about, you know, four or five or six feet of race car behind, behind you or as a cart where you sit. You're essentially over top of the rear axle. There's not much behind you. So when you clear somebody, you come across, you have to remember there's lots of race car behind you and a gearbox as well and an engine behind you as well. Yeah. Uh, During your time with the Lucas Oil School of Formula Car Racing, was there a particular event, a good battle that you remember that uh, you'll go back on and say, man, that was, that helped me develop in a big way. Because you were were racing Um, against some good guys. Yeah, I was. I was racing against, you know, Thomas Inziato, Weston Workman, and Aaron Hook, and every weekend was really just a, a straight out dog fight. I was going to say, three. they're probably all the same. Yeah. And I just, every weekend it, I, we, we all learned something from each other and we all progressed a lot, but I have to say the final, final race weekend at Sebring, you know, we all four went in like, and we were able to, if we were, we would be able to win the championship depending on like the finishing order. Yeah. But I had a, I had a really good fight with an Inziata the last race, which taught me a lot, but, um, all the racing and go-karts and like the dog fighting and go-karts and the aggression really helped me in that situation with the Nunziata. But I'd say battling with them was definitely, definitely taught me the most. I love it. We fast forward again through the event we talked about at Sebring. You go to Barber Motorsports Park. You guys were strong, but D-Force Racing was amazingly good there. They they rolled out so quickly, almost as good as I think Exclusive did this past weekend at VIR. You guys were all very quick out of the gate, but you were kind of chasing them at Barber. Uh, overall, the, the Barber weekend, did you feel like you got the most out of yourself and out of the, out of the cars you could on the weekend? Um, I think at the end of the weekend, we got the most out of the cars. As far as myself, I didn't drive to my full potential. I didn't okay. drive my best. I made some racing errors on my part for sure. But, you know, that, that's part of the learning curve. You know, when you move from a school where there's no contact to now a series where contact's allowed, you know, you're going to learn that you can ru- race a little bit rougher. And, uh, um, yeah. yeah, more aggressive, right? A little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so let's talk about, again, because we're so early in this, right? You, you come out of the, the school series, you're into the USF Juniors program, and you, you think about your development over what the, you know, the end of March to where we are essentially the very start of June. We're talking about just a couple of months' time. How far do you feel that you've, you know, moved forward in terms of your racecraft, your understanding? You know, you're you're only 16 years of age, but and we've already seen, I think, some big development of you in terms of of outright speed, but also racecraft. Yeah, I think I've developed a ton, and it's all thanks to Lou and Michael, you know, and they've helped me get comfortable with racing guys, you know, wheel to wheel or making contact. But I've I've progressed a lot, and I understand now, you know, how to defend my position and how to go for a pass and maybe rub a little bit that can help me in the end. But I've progressed, I mean, heaps and bounds. 
the uh, the event at VIR kind of hot and cold, ups and downs, right? So you, you're fast. Uh, you're leading the way in race one before the rain comes. And you know, we, I talked about the fact that you are, essentially had almost got to that like one and a half seconds where you can break the toe uh, down the long straightaways at VIR. Mm-hmm. The, the yellow comes, you lose that. Giofoni gets by. There's the heartbreak there. You were not a happy camper on the on the podium at all, knowing that you wanted to be in the middle. Then yeah. you have the mechanical, the issue with the steering wheel in race number two. You go to the back. And then you come back, of course, with a vengeance in race number three with that amazing outside pass, which we'll talk a little more about. Handling that kind of adversity, the up and down, how much of a struggle is that? It's, you know, it, it's, you got to have people around you to keep you focused, but for, to be able to come back, for me to see you come back, like Max Taylor coming back from that wreck and race in his race number two, what, what was that like? What did you have to do to be able to come back and know that in the end of the weekend, you could finally get a victory? Um, You know, you, you can be mad about it or you can be upset about the mechanical issue, but you have to remember, you know, it wasn't anything of my doing. And, um, you know, you have to also remember that it's in the past and it's done. That's it. So you, you might as well forget about it and just focus on your next race. And I, we all knew I had the pace all weekend to just pull away. And so I knew if I could get the move done and do it in a way that gave me a little bit of a gap that I could break away. And that was just the focus all weekend. And that was the same focus in race three. It was kind of, I will say I was a little bit more aggressive in race three because I was kind of I was still a little bit mad and upset from the previous race. <laughs> all right, all right. And so yeah, but uh, it's just you know it's overcoming adversity and realizing that you know you can't do anything about it and it's in the past and you just have to look forward and keep your head down and you keep your head down but keep your chin up and just f- focus on your next race or next event or whatever is next for you. So a little bit of that emotion from race number two, obviously probably some residual from race number one because that was a full send move around the outside of turn one. We know you can kind of run the rim on the outside of one and two. Cause as you come back over uh, to turn number three, you'd have the inside line. Did, did you, had you tried that already? Or was that a, let's see if this thing will hang around the outside. Um, I tried it on Joey and, you know, Joey being my teammate, he was nice and left me the room out there. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, so going down to turn one, you know, GF was all, all the way on the inside. So I was like, you know, I I'll try it on him. And I, I uh, broke really deep around his outside and just hung it around there, like you said. And there, there is grip out there. It's there surprising. Is, yeah. But you really hook up. And I was able to get good enough traction to get side by side with him. And then I gave him the inside for the next corner. And um, I went in really deep to make sure that he wouldn't try the outside. And I was able to just get through. But it was kind of, it was like what you said. It was kind of like, all right, let's see how this goes. Let's see if it works. <laughs> That's it, right? So listen, you come out of 17, final lap, checker flag. We're all racers, right? I'm a racer. You're a racer. You've been driving for a long time. You get that win. It's that, you know, out of that last corner and you've done all the work. Uh, it was your first victory. You got close a couple of times. You've already talked about the fact that you learned so much uh, running against Quinn and Joey and Nicholas at Sebring. And then you have the heartbreak of not being really in the hunt, the whole team really not in the hunt at Barber. Give me the, give me the thought of the emotions coming across the line when you get that first win You know, the Tucker flag's waiting for you. I mean, there's so many emotions going through, you know, I, I worked super hard for this first win. I got super close in both the races prior to that, but it was, it was kind of just a moment of relief and it was, it was a satisfaction knowing that I worked hard enough and um, I knew I wanted it the most of the weekend. And um, it's just, it's happy in in a way it's kind of like you get emotional kind of cause you work so hard, but it's just uh, multiple emotions flowing through, flowing through you. And it's just, it was really a special moment for me. Uh, I always talk about, you know, getting that first win kind of opens up the floodgates. What does the what does it feel like for you motivation-wise and maybe momentum-wise? Maybe that's a better word uh, with the fact that you're going to mid-Ohio in, you know, just over a month's time, getting back at it with USF juniors. It, it, do you feel like there's some tangible momentum in, in your, inside yourself personally? 
I think there's definitely some momentum because I've been to Mid Ohio before in the Lucas Oil Series, okay. and I really gelled well with the track, and I liked it. And now that I know I can win and I can race everybody respectfully and that they'll race me respectfully, I know for sure that winning is an, is definitely a possibility at every race. Hey, I'll give a shout out to that right now because, you know, obviously what we want out of this series, USF Juniors, is green flag racing. We had a couple of yellows, one for rain, one for a driver going off. We didn't really have any real wrecks, which which was just a couple of drivers, even single car instance kind of a thing. Uh, do you feel that, that there's some good respect on the racetrack? Because you guys are like you, especially I was watching you and Nicholas Giafoni, you guys were side by side, like maybe a couple inches, but man, you guys race so, each other so respectfully, especially in race number one. I know that Nicholas said that to me, that he, he told me afterwards that he would race side by side with you anytime because my, there might've been a little bit of contact, but primarily you guys were just giving each other just an inch. That's about it. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of respect. You know, I feel more respect from certain drivers than other drivers. Yeah. But like you said, like racing G- Nicholas, uh, I mean, race one, we were side by side every time going, every lap going to turn one. And, you know, there were a few times where we would rub a little bit, but, you know, rubbing's racing and we'd have a little contact. But there, there was a respect there. And um, there, there, he knows he knows there's a line between when the outside, like when I, I should give him room and when he doesn't deserve any room. Yeah. And that's where some drivers know that and some drivers don't. And that's why racing him is just a blast and really, really clean as you saw. And really that, that is the development of racecraft at this level, right? As you work your way up through the ranks, it's going to get, you know, we see that a lot of times happen to USF pro 2000, the guys that have been in, in it for a while longer, they know there's so much room that you can give some of the younger drivers that come into USF 2000, maybe without the training in USF juniors, they don't know that line. And we have more incidents there, but it's, mm-hmm. it just seems to be like, the, the lead group up front in juniors is really starting to develop that. And I think the next races we have at Mid-Ohio, Road America, and Coda are really going to be good with, with in terms of racecraft. Yes, yeah. I think I think the races coming up are going to be really good with racecraft. And I think I think you'll see it even get a little bit more aggressive because I think now that you know we're all comfortable racing each other that closely, that uh, it will definitely be closer and more aggressive and more exciting. That's a really good point. Uh, talking with uh, Jack Jeffers, folks, the most recent winner in the USF Juniors program, currently fourth in points and uh, right there on P3 and with momentum heading to mid-Ohio on that second weekend of July. Uh, you've talked about Michael Duncap. You've talked about uh, Diagostino. Let's talk about your team a little bit. you got guys working on your cars. you got three teammates. You guys have a really good dynamic under the team tent as well. Yourself, uh, Joey Branza, Giovanni Cabrera, and Eric Schout. You guys seem to have a lot of fun under the under the tent, and it's, it's cool to see talk about the dynamic of all you young hooligans in exclusive autosport uh the dynamic of the team i think flows really well you know i love all my teammates i know joey from karting so me and him have bonded really well you know giovanni he's a really nice kid you know he understands racing and everything and he's always he's actually really good at picking you up like when you're down and he's really good for like kind of emotional support i love it that's nice and uh eric you know eric doesn't speak very good english so i'm always like i'm always willing to help him we're all willing to help him but Eric's also a young talent too, coming through the ranks. And as far as the mechanics and everything, like we just all gel well. It's like one big family. After the first testing I had with them at Sebring, I felt right at home. I, I went home and told my parents, I said, this is the team for me. I said, this is the team I belong with. I love that. That's great. That's great. Let's. I, I always like to roll in, like to talk about food a little bit, what you guys do and who you guys are. And and uh, so, so what? let's say you're on the road. You guys are all cruising down the road. I always ask this question. What are you going for lunch? What's 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 your what's your what's your stop? What's your go to? What's your go to fast food, fast casual, something like that? On a race weekend, I'd just say Chipotle. You're a Chipotle guy. You guys all love oh, Chipotle. Oh, that, yeah, we, that could just be Brienza rubbing off on you. That guy could have Chipotle every day. 
I will say, yeah, Joey loves his Chipotle. He, he, he could have it every day, like three meals, three meals every day. What's it, What about your favorite food? What What is your absolute favorite food? My absolute favorite food? Uh, is that a tough one? Has to be. Well, I really like French toast, but I get that that's more of like a breakfast, maybe okay. you know, brunch kind of thing. But as far as like dinner or anything, I'd have to say my mom's chicken casserole. Chicken casserole? Um, you are from Texas. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're 100 percent in Texas. That's so funny. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, let's let's look forward uh to the rest of the, the rest of the year, kind of wrap things up here. Um Mid-Ohio, Road America, Challenge. Uh, sorry, I can say Challenge of the Americas, my carding background. Circuit mm-hmm. of the Americas. It, what which which of the three are you most looking forward to? Coda for sure. I mean, it's yeah. a home track for me. You That's know, true. I've always I've grown up. That's what my parents says. I've grown up going there, like, you know, for 10 years, watching F1 go around there. Yeah. And it's been a dream of mine to be able to race on that. And now that I'm going to be able to race on that, that's for sure. The have you never Have there. you never raced there before? I've never raced on the track before. Wow. I've never even walked the track. So, I, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are you a sim guy, though? Are you doing all the sim racing? Oh, yes. As soon as I got home, I immediately got on the sim and started doing some practice laps at Mid-Ohio. Oh, okay. I mean, so you're all, all over. Well, that's good. Yeah. All right. So, so we're looking at Coda. We're going to have a big Jeffers crew there. Is there going to be a big fan club? No, they're, they're, yeah, my whole family's probably going to show up for this one. Yeah, for that one. Well, listen, dude, if, if all goes well, the way you're kind of moving right now, you could be battling for a championship when you get there, too. That's the goal. I mean, you know, the Road Indy, they really put together a great program to where, you know, you win each championship, you know, you get some money and you get help to move up to the next uh, category level. So, you know, I'm thankful for that. And the goal is just to win every championship the first year or the second year. But, you know, if I keep going and keep putting in the results I that I need to put in, um, then I think I for sure can have a shot at the championship come Coda. Try to roll that uh, Kyle Kirkwood strategy, just keep winning all the way up? Yep, that's the goal. All right, listen, uh, what about sponsors? Let's let's go sponsors and let's go social media. We obviously want people to be able to follow you on social media. I know you're kind of lined up with that. And you're, as, as a USF Juniors driver, you're kind of just get, getting the feel for all the social media stuff that we want you to do and how to kind of promote yourself. Let's start with sponsors. Who do you, who do you have that's helping make this happen for you guys? Um, it's just, it's just my dad's company and my dad, my, just my family funding, like my mom and dad are paying for yeah. racing, but, uh, we're putting together a PowerPoint, you know, for sure you need to go out and pitch to other people. Cause you know, it's going to keep getting more and more expensive and That's you're going to need that sponsorship. So, you know, we're lining up stuff and hopefully we can get some sponsors before the next race and before the end of this year. Good stuff. Now, how do they follow you on social media? What are your channels? You haven't, do you know what they are? I don't know all I should know. I should know. I'm kicking myself for this. I should not have taught my head, but I know for sure that you need to have an Instagram, a Twitter, a Facebook, you know, you need to have all of them. I mean, you should make them all the same username and everything. Like that's not I mean, always, that's not always easy to do though. Right. Yeah. It's not always easy to do. And it's not always easy to manage, you know, four or three platforms, but you know, if you're truly passionate about racing, you need to have all of them lined up. And I, I know my Instagram like handle was like Jack Jeffers racing. Um, I think my Facebook's the same and I think my Twitter's the same, but my Instagram is my main platform I use for racing social media. Yeah. I think your, your uh, Twitter is Jack underscore Jeffers racing. There you go. Yeah. I just, I just jumped on to get that ready for you. Got you hooked up. Thank you. Uh, well, you get That's it, man. You're working on the social media. That's fantastic. You're coming off a race win. Uh, Jack, listen, again, you got about five weeks before we get to mid Ohio. Get back on that sim. You got work to do. Yep.
Yeah. Well, folks, let me let me say this here right now. Uh, you know, and Jack just said any of these young drivers always looking for that investor, that partner, that that uh, that that company to get on board. And and we've seen it happen many years with where people have got behind guys like Kyle Kirkwood, Pato Award, Renus VK, whoever it may be. And if you're a racing fan, you want to get a hold of a young American driver who looks like he's could be on his way uh, to the NTT IndyCar Series. This texting right here, Jack Jeffers could be one of them. Everybody's speaking very highly of him in the paddock in USF Juniors, and I expect. Fully expect that we'll see him in USF 2000 in 2024. Again, Jack, thanks for joining me, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ron. Jack Jeffers, folks, from San Antonio, Texas, just 16 years of age, knocking out that first win in USF Juniors. And as you've heard me said many times, when you win one, you get the monkey off your back. You op- usually open the floodgates and win a lot more races. I will not be surprised if we see Jack Jeffers on top of the box several more times in 2023. Will it be a championship run? We'll know when we get to that home track of his in Austin, Texas, the Circuit of the Americas. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to episode 51 of the USF Pro Insider. Remember, two races coming up here uh, in July at Mid-Ohio, but first, Road America in just over a week's time, USF 2000, USF Pro uh, 2000 taking to America's National Park of Speed. Looking forward to that one at Road America. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. Episode 51 featuring Jack Jeffers here on the USF Pro Insider. My name is Rob Howden. Bye for now.